everybody. It's Tuesday, September 27th, and I'm not, I'm not going to engage in aggressive mode yet. But we're getting close to it. We got some ads. We got, we got, we got to set the table. We got to pay the bills. We got to pay the bills. My name is Billy Ray Mitchell. I'm calling in for this. Is literally my last, not last hurrah, but my last couple minutes here in New Jersey, as I will be driving to Newport, Rhode Island, to link back up with my brother. Pat Finn is in Charlotte, North Carolina, right now. Uh, and we're the Sons of Saturday. We have a great podcast for you today. We are going to preview the North Carolina game for you for the first 15-ish, 20 minutes. And then we're going to swing it over. We're going to pass it over. Danny Dimes, Pat Finn is going to swing it over to our guy, David Hale, and talk about the ACC in general. We love David Hale. David Hale, friend of the podcast. We can say that now. He's been. I think we said that after the first time he's been on. But now he's a official friend of the podcast. He's been here for a couple times. We have him a seat. He's got his own desk. He's got his own desk at Sons of Saturday headquarters. He's been coming. Shout out, Irby. Shout out, Rob Irby. That's right. That's right. So uh, before we do that, this podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. You got ahead. You went ahead and you got your pins for the Boston College game, and we won. You went ahead and you got your Boston, your West Virginia pins. We lost. So judging by the way that it's been going, if you head on over there and you get your pins for Miami, we're going to win. So head on over, get your pins, any type of pharmaceutical needs, any type of household needs, anything like that, Main Street Pharmacy, you are more than a number. You are a neighbor. Now, here we go. I'm taking my hat off. I am putting it on backwards, and I am engaging aggressive, I don't like this team. We're letting it fly mode. I hate, hate, hate Carolina. I hate the Tar Heels. I hate them. So, Pat, bring me a hokey haiku so we can get this party started. I'm amped up, Pat. I'm amped up. I've buried the West Virginia thing. We're in the ACC play. The Hokies are number one. I mean, we had David Hale come on and talk about the first place Virginia Tech Hokies football team. First place in the ACC. And we're just looking to... Keep climbing that ladder. And it starts this week with Carolina. In Carolina. It might rain. It might pour. That's what we have going on this week. Pat, haiku me, man. Love the backwards hat. <laughs> haiku, off, haiku off the dome. I think the best thing about David Hale, well, there's a lot of good things about David Hale, but I like that his last name is not Heal. It's Hale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with like rain, slate, rain, sleet, or hail. Uh, we'll play Carolina and beat them all the way to hell. Yeah, I guess, hail. I guess hail, hail, rain, snow, sleet, whatever. No, that was more so just hail, not heal. Hail, yeah. Here's my <laughs> <laughs> Bill hates the Tar Heels. I also hate the Heels. No, I also hate the Tar Heels. Let's win on Saturday. That's Saturday. Saturday. Let's win on Saturday. All right. Let's uh, let's hope the offensive game plan is better than my hokey haiku game plan. But let's jump into hokey history. Let's do it. Let's let it fly. Virginia Tech versus North Carolina. The most recent meetup. Um maybe, maybe one of our favorite memories in Lane Stadium in No, no. Maybe no. our one of, maybe one of our favorite memories at Ollie's in Frisco, Colorado of all time. Yes. Virginia yes. Tech decimated Brady <laughs> Manick and Hubert Davis. Yes. And all those Tar Heels in Brooklyn in mm-hmm. March in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. Bet you didn't think this was going that way, but it is. We beat them 72 to 59. Darius Maddox had 20 points. 
And then we went and we cut down the nets the next night. I know Carolina had a very good tournament. I know they went to the finals, but I don't remember them taking home any hardware. <laughs> so, shout out to uh, to Keve Aluma, who also had 18 points that night. But okay, for real, Virginia Tech and North Carolina, uh, hokey history. How many total meetings here? Let's see. 25 plus 19. That's about uh, 44 total meetings between the Hokies and the Heels. Virginia Tech leads the series 25, 13, and 6. We've actually tied Carolina six times. Of those playing on the road, we are going into Keenan Stadium on Saturday, 3.30 on the ACC Network. Uh, we are 17, 7, and 6. So we have all six of those ties we're at wow. Keenan Stadium. Kind of weird. Taking a walk down memory lane here. Some some recent games in Virginia Tech, Carolina. Memory that have been a ton of fun for Hokie fans. Number one, 2016. Crushed! The game. The, <laughs> the, like This is like the barometer. This is the gold standard of fun away games. Whether you're a student at Virginia Tech... You live in Nova, you live in Charlotte, you live in Richmond, you live in the Triangle. You get in your car, you drive to Keenan Stadium in the midst of Hurricane Matthew. Right down the road, Notre Dame and NC State are playing, and there's like 12 fumbles, and it's like a 9-6 ball game earlier in the day. Our game was at 3.30 at Keenan. Oh, you guys need to cancel the game. You know, can't. Why are we going to play in a hurricane? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And then Virginia Tech was just tougher. Virginia yeah. Tech was tougher on offense. They were tougher on defense. They were tougher on special teams. Greg Stroman had a great game. Gerard Evans, Sam Rogers, the entire Chris defense. Chris Cunningham scored, I think. Oh, man. Chris Cunningham had a touchdown. I think Bucky had a touchdown. It was uh, it was everybody eats uh, mm-hmm. during Hurricane Matthew, 34-3. to And uh, Tar Heel Illustrated put out a tweet later on that season. Disregarding the hurricane game, it has been, I think it was like 708 days since Mitchell Trubisky's last interception. Disregarding the hurricane game, because football games do not count if they're played in hurricanes. And that's Facts why you matter. On that's matter. They're important. That's why you see on Twitter, Carolina fans saying, move the game, move the game. They want to move it up. They want to move it back because, you know, they don't want to tailgate a hurricane. They don't want to go to a football game in a hurricane. They don't want to see Drake May uh, get his jersey dirty in a hurricane. 2017, 59-7 in Lane Stadium on homecoming. We wore the orange jerseys. We looked the great. Ricky Walker, Ricky Walker had a touchdown. Reggie Floyd had a pick six. Greg Swin had a, uh, had a punt return for a touchdown. Everybody was eating on that day, too. Wow. 2018. Javon Quillen, Rayshard Ashby, heroics on the goal line. I think they forced the fumble from. I think it was Michael Carter. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan Willis leads a heroic drive, hits Dalton Keene right uh, in the waning seconds of the Saturday night. And Virginia Tech wins 22-18 to in 2018 in Keenan Stadium. 2019, our Talk favorite game. Talk about it, Pat. Talk our about it. Game. Patterson drives his way in. <laughs> Virginia Tech has won it in six overtimes. We recorded recorded a three-hour podcast 
after that game. I went back to, uh, I'll never forget this. And we also, we recorded about an hour. And then we were like, I think we're just so excited. We need to start this over. So we basically recorded four hours of podcast um, following that game. But I mean, there was so much to talk about. I, it was, oh, I'm getting kittens <laughs> thinking about it. It was awesome. It was awesome. If you're ever having a bad day, go on YouTube and just type in, you know, full game Virginia Tech versus North Carolina, six overtimes, 2019. It's Ladler again. <laughs> Bo Corrales. Bo Corrales. It's Hazleton. <laughs> I mean, that was just that game. Ruggles had... missed it again. <laughs> Ruggles missed it. The game had it all, man. It oh, had it man. all. Oh, it's big so play Trey Turner with the touchdown. All right. What? So we, oh, we all man. know how that game ended. Mac Brown uh, did not win. No. 2020, the COVID game in uh, Keenan. We were there. We were there with Jack Click. Mm-hmm. Pretty much had to uh, sit our entire uh, our entire offense and defense that game. I mean, mm-hmm. that was brutal. I feel like our Tyler entire Martini, team. Tyler Matheny, dude. Tyler Matheny played. We were all out with COVID that game. Almost sparked a, uh, a late-game comeback. We did. Had an onside kick we recovered. Couple big plays in the second half. Really fun Hendon Hooker game. I think Hendon Hooker finished like 380 yards. He played awesome. Um, not he had a good second. He had a good game. second half. He had a he tough did. first. Did. That's half. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 2022 uh, Hurricane Ian uh, Saturday 3:30. Now, well, dude, we didn't talk about 2021. 2021 was awesome. Oh my too. gosh! I, sorry, I, I got. I got. <laughs> How could we I forget? Still, I, I was so excited from 2019. <laughs> 2021 was awesome. Um, we rolled in there. Um, America stuck stuck their flag in the ground and they said, hey, look, COVID's over. We're all going to Lane Stadium. And everybody went to Lane Stadium. I cried. Uh, we high-fived. We hugged. We won. And um, Sam Howell finished his career. What? One and five against Tech? One and four? Um, but uh, All right. One and five is definitely not what it was. But it was one and three or one and four. Sam Howell was uh, – Sam Howell lost in 19, one and 20, lost in 21. He was one and two. Okay, one and two. He finished with a losing record. It was awesome. Um, yeah, you're right. One and five would have been obscene. Um, but yeah, 2021 was great too. We have made it a point to crush Carolina. That has been our MO. It has been what we do. We play Carolina. Carolina is a soft football team. Tech is not a soft football team. And I'm hoping to continue it this year. So Pat, set the stage for this year. Carolina's coming off a... Loss at home against Notre Dame. Carolina's defense, not good. Virginia Tech coming off a loss at home against West Virginia. Virginia Tech's offense, not good. Not good. <laughs> Something's got to give. And guess what's coming right in the way of it? A tropical storm called Hurricane Ian, Mr. Ian. Now, obviously, we want to pay our respects to everyone you know, who may be in harm's way this mm-hmm. week. Those folks down in Florida, you know, anyone on the coast, um, you know, want to – make a tribute to anyone uh, in harm's way and, and just hope that everyone is safe throughout this. Um, I'll I don't just, see it. Yeah. I'll repeat this part too. Make smart decisions. If you are in Florida and you have family in Florida or you are told to evacuate, please do what they're telling you to do. Listen to what officials are telling you, but absolutely thoughts and prayers are with everybody uh, in the Tampa Bay area and the Carolinas and Florida as well. That said this game on Saturday, 
I haven't seen any, you know, my phone hasn't started vibrating with the loud, like chirping noise, like, yeah. you know, telling me that I need to get out of here. Um, it, it's not going to be that big of a deal in North Carolina as of Tuesday, 6.33 p.m. Well, they did move the South Carolina game. That's where I got a little hairy. They moved the South Carolina game up to Thursday night. Um, Bill, we are not in South Carolina. We are in <laughs> North Carolina. So, you know, maybe you should pull out your compass and figure out where this game is being played. But, uh, You're right. You're right. So, no, I, I mean, you got Carolina fans asking to move the game. And mm-hmm. that's just – that's an indictment on their fan base. If this game is Part being played in Pittsburgh, I don't think that would be happening. Um. This next segment is just an opportunity to blow off some steam. We're going to do a snake draft type thing or just just rattle off reasons why we hate Carolina. Um, But before we talk about things that we hate, something that I love is first in Maine. And you know why I love first in Maine? Because I hate sitting in traffic, waiting in lines, not being able to get into restaurants. If you're having that problem, if you're on Main Street, you're showing your friends around. You're like, yo, let's go grab food over here. Oh, we got a 30-minute wait. Oh, okay. Let's find somewhere to park so we can get a T-shirt. Oh, there are no spots. Oh, okay. So you get back on the road. You drive on down to First and Main. You got all the options that you can need. You go bowling, watch a movie, buy a sweatshirt, go to Talbot's. You can uh, eat over at Avellino's. Actually, really good Italian food. And that's coming from a Jersey guy. You got good Italian food over at Avellino's. So they got all the options for you. Eat. Play, entertain, shop, whatever you need to do, you can get it done at First and Main. Here's why Carolina sucks. I'll go first. Carolina is, whether you like the word, you hate the word, you disagree with the word, Carolina is the definition of anti-grit. They have no toughness, no stick-to-itiveness. They are not, they, you, don't watch a, you have never watched a football game that Carolina plays, and you say, yo, that game they played last week was a fist fight. Saw a lot of running the ball, a lot of physicality, and Carolina was just the tougher team. No one's ever said that. No one. That has never been said, ever. Not, not in my lifetime. So that's, that's one reason why I hate Carolina. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't like that their fans don't care. Like, for they me, don't care. for me, <laughs> I hang my hat on our fan base being awesome. Yes. Carolina fans are not awesome. Okay. <laughs> they are not awesome. They don't even know if a game's being played. If, if at any point in the season, like, you know, unless you have some, some younger fans who, you know, might've recently graduated and were on the Sam Howell train or whatever, but they just don't care. They don't get up. They don't go to games. They don't even watch the games. Well, they Pat, say you, you saw this on the uh, you saw this on the timeline. You got into it with a guy who was like begging their fan base to show. Oh, God forbid! I put the wine the wine decanter away and I march down to Chapel Hill to watch our team play Notre Dame. Can you please put your uh, home magazine or your Crate and Barrel uh, you know catalog away for fifteen minutes and go down and support your team to play Notre Dame? They can't do that. When we were in Charleston, we were golfing. We're golfing in Charleston, having a good old time, good old fun time. And these Carolina guys who are wearing Carolina stuff are behind us, and they want to play through. Obviously, no problem, not an issue. And uh, they're like, oh, you guys are Virginia Tech fans. We're like, yep, we play Old Dominion. We're watching the game at the Brick. We can't wait. Kickoffs at 7. Who do you play this week? Ah, oh, man, I don't, 
I don't know who we play. I know basketball starts in two weeks. Perfect representation of that clown fan base that does not care about football. America's game. How do you not care about America's game? You pour all this money into it. You get all these recruits. You hire this coach. And they don't give a damn. They don't care. They do not care. Okay, so you got their fan base doesn't care. Um, I'm just going to go with, look, powder blue is cool. But you can't do powder blue and Argyle. This is not the New York City uh, fashion show, okay? This is not a knitting show. This is not, um, you know, uh, sips and strokes where you go and you drink wine and you paint, uh, you paint pictures with your girlfriend. That's not it. That's their whole vibe. Their entire thing is tapestries on the wall, uh, these little bead things that you walk through, or like nice little plates and cups and tea glasses. That's what it is. They're literally Virginia South. That's what they are. They're Virginia South. And they actually get good talent in their football program and grossly underperform. Virginia just sucks. Carolina has good talent and is soft. Soft. They're like that kid you went to high school with, okay? He's six foot six. He's 280 pounds. Maybe his dad played at like Cornell or Boston College or Penn State. And he comes into the football practice for the first day. And you're like, oh, man dude, this guy's going to be a stud. I can't wait. And then you see him get down in a three-point stance and he puts one finger on the ground and then just kind of falls over himself. And you're just like, what the hell is this? That's Carolina. That <laughs> is Carolina. Huh. Anything else, Pat? Any other reasons you hate Carolina? I was going to say the um, the guy on Twitter, he was, he was pretty much just trying to justify why Carolina fans should be excited about that Notre Dame game. And I was like, why do you need to justify this? Why do you need to sell me on this? No, your program is undefeated. You got Notre Dame at home. It's a three thirty kick. Your quarterback is a world beater. Yes, I mean their quarterback is elite. Easily, Drake. Yes, um, their quarterback should go go play somewhere else. I know Luke May. Mm. Obviously, Luke May yes. is the older brother. Luke May, Carolina basketball god. Um, you know, want to go in and say, hey, the May family can uh, can play multiple sports, mm-hmm. but. Um, man, I, I, I think that's got to be one of the biggest things, too, is that this program has such an opportunity to actually make the ACC look good and just doesn't ever, ever. I mean, it's just it's, the it's resources are the resources are unlimited there. They're putting Michael Jordan's logo on a football uniform and they are the Gucci team and we're the gritty team. <laughs> we, we talked about this last year. Uh, gritty versus Gucci. Mm-hmm. And uh they're just not football, man. They're just not no. football. I think um, I, I, it's it's weird, right? Because you have a sense of jealousy, like, um, and I'm going to explain this. I have a sense of jealousy. I'm jealous of the recruits you land. I'm jealous of, you know, I guess that's it. I'm really just jealous about the recruits you land. And you guys are cool. You got all this stuff, but you don't do anything. Like, I'm je- like if, if Virginia Tech recruited at the level that they recruited at, um, They'd be winning a ton of games because our culture would instill hardness and win and beat the hell out of other people into those recruits. These recruits, they just go there and it's just like, all right, we're going to play patty cake all day. Maybe we'll make, maybe we'll trace some, you know, oak, oak leaves on a piece of paper like you did in Boy Scouts when we were super small um, and make a macaroni plate with a smiley face. Like that's what they do over there. And that's why they lose. That's why they suck. So, you know, that's Carolina. Uh, my last thing, and then we can move on and actually talk about the football game. I'm just having a ton of fun with this. Um, I want to address, I think it's almost like a uh, an older fan rite of passage. 
So when I talk about how much I hate, I hate Carolina, because I do, a lot of people will say, oh, like, do you hate Carolina more than you hate Virginia? Do you hate Carolina more than you hate West Virginia? And I'll just be like, look, I hate Carolina. Like, I just hate Carolina. And the instantaneous reaction is like, well, that's just because you're younger. You just hate Carolina because you're younger. I'm like, no, I hate Carolina because they stand for everything that I hate. That is why I hate Carolina. Have you gotten that a lot, Pat, where people will almost like judge your age based upon how much you hate Carolina or some of these other teams? Um, I just went through the Hokie history. I would ask anyone else to go through Hokie history of the last, honestly, decade and find better football games or more fun memories for anyone in the Virginia Tech fan base. So it's like, yeah, I get the you're young thing, but it's also just like, this is what today is, you yes. know? Yeah. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing in the UVA rivalry. That's like, I mean, okay, there's a lot in it, but you know, I, like I it hasn't been a compelling football game. Yeah, it hasn't been a compelling football game. I get genuinely fired up to play Carolina because I, I have a disdain for them. So yes. we're on the same page here. And <laughs> I don't think you should be getting any flack for hating Carolina more than more than other schools. I think it's a uh, it's been a big part of the last decade of Virginia Tech football. So that is true. Let's right. move it right along. All right, I've gotten all my hate. Any other, hate any other hate stuff? I think that's it for now. Okay, okay, for now. Uh, we're going to move on to the preview. It's not going to be extremely long, but I do want to mention that our friends over at CMG Leasing, by the way, if all of you, uh, they handed out 10,000 shirts for West Virginia game. They looked great. I got mine. Really appreciate that from CMG Leasing. Go ahead and check out the Edge Apartments now. They're accepting applications for 2022 and 2023. Where is it, Billy Ray? Where is it? Oh, the Edge is right across from VT Campus. You don't have to park on campus, which is a nightmare. Don't want to do that. Uh, so you can literally walk right to class. It is the best off-campus student housing. You walk over there. They got the pool. They got a beautiful facility. You can walk over. You can literally walk from it. Walk to Elrod. You could almost throw a baseball, depending on how strong you are, if you're lifting weights and whatnot. Um, you can. It's close to downtown. Everything is included. Not everybody's doing that nowadays. Your your uh, water, your heating, your everything. It's all included. It's fully furnished. Love fully furnished. You don't have to go and ask mom and dad to Venmo you a thousand dollars so you can buy a couch you're going to throw out in you know twelve months. So that's awesome. Uh, apply today at vtcampusedge.com or text VTEDGE to 540-202-1638. That is our CMG leasing read. Go check them out. They're awesome. And I know some of you guys are looking. Some of you guys and gals are looking for places to live. Look, here it is. It's, it's very simple, Pat. It's very, very simple. This is a tale of two teams that are amazing at what the opposing team sucks at. Plain and simple. Our defense is top 10 in America which is pretty awesome. UNC has a top 10 scoring offense in America. They're eighth in the country. Our offense is lethargic. Our offense, I actually get physically ill watching our offense so far. Now, maybe that'll change. Hopefully it does. If it doesn't, we're going to be pretty bad. But the offense is not good. That has been the, uh, that has been the thorn in our heel as of late. Uh, and then Carolina's defense is ranked 126. You like that? You like that heel reference? <laughs> Carolina's defense is ranked 126th out of 131 teams. So, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to can we score points or can Carolina stop us from scoring points? Um, that's what it's going to be. It's a tale of two teams that could not be more 
different. And Pat, I'm going to give you a little crow here. A little crow. Pat Finn on Hot Wings and Hot Takes said that Drake <laughs> May was going to be in the Heisman conversation. What he left out was that Drake May is 100% deserving of being in the Heisman Trophy conversations. Drake May has thrown for 1,231 yards. He has thrown 16 touchdowns and one interception. So Drake May, um, as all of you kids like to say, Drake May is him. He is indeed him. Um, but it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be raining. I don't know if we can throw the ball in the rain. Um, we're going to have to run the ball. Uh, hopefully we're healthier. The uh, roster or depth chart came out today. It looks like Keyshawn King is still listed as RB1. Jalen Holston as RB2. And Chance Black as RB3. I am looking for, in this game, Pat, I'm interested to hear what you're looking for. But in this game, I am looking for any type of know what we're doing leanness, effort, results, movement on the front line. I am literally, I'm begging you, offensive line, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. You have a chance. If we win this game, you're going to fix a lot of how people are feeling right now. You're going <laughs> to fix a ton of how people are feeling right now if you can find a way to beat Carolina. And you're going to have to run the ball. There's no way to not run the ball today, no, uh, on Saturday. None. It's going to pour. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of foot footprints. You're going to have pruny shoes. Your feet are going to be pruny. Your hands are going to be pruny. But this is what you love as an offensive lineman, an opportunity to run through someone's face who everybody tells you is better than you all the time and you know in the back of your head, these clowns are not better than me. You're going to have an opportunity to showcase that and go to 2-0 and in the ACC and to take a stranglehold on the ACC standings against a team that is soft. That's my challenge to you. Issue challenged. Offensive line. Punch these guys in the mouth. They're the four stars, the five stars that everybody's writing about, winning all state honors and all of this, and they get to Carolina. They haven't performed. Expose these frauds, please. I beg of you. Expose these frauds. You're going to have a chance. It's going to be a fist fight. They don't like fist fights. That's what it's going to be. I'm fired up, Pat. I'm like shaking. Whew. I can Pat, see it. I love it. We've uh, we've got our work cut out for us on the defensive side of the ball. We know how good their offense is. They're averaging 46.5 points a game. That's eighth in the country. Mm-hmm. They're going to move the ball on us if we're on the field the whole time, if mm-hmm. our defense is on. <laughs> I guess um, what I meant to say by that is our offense will dictate this game. You just, yeah. said, you just said it. I don't have much to add to that, but like we need to run to the ball, the outside, we need to use the East West game. Connor Blumreck needs the ball, needs the ball in his hands 10 times mm-hmm. on Saturday, you know, Ten. get the ball to Connor B 10 blue Blumrick, blue Blumrick. I want both of them to have the ball in their hands for most of the game. <laughs> okay. Um, Grant Wells might run the ball to the outside a little bit. I know David Hale thinks Grant Wells is going to have a big day on the ground. That'd be awesome. Um, I love that. This game will be dictated by Virginia Tech's opportunity to establish the run. That's really it. Um, if we don't do that, nothing's happening. We're not going to be able to do anything. So hopefully we can because Carolina's defense is the worst that we'll play all year outside yeah. of Wofford. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, they're giving up 39 and a half points a game. That's a lot of points, Jay. Virginia Tech is getting nine <laughs> points at Carolina. 
The over-under is set at 51 and a half. I don't know who set that line. I would be going under. Just, 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 just a heads up. I'd be going under. Um, but before we get into the lines, let's talk about who is presenting them for us. And that is our friends over at DraftKings. Now, look, the NFL action is in full swing over at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. This is the official sports betting partner in the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all day all season long. All you need to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsporting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY in New York, or Visit OPGR in Oregon or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. And lastly, 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. The lines. Virginia Tech getting nine points over under 51 and a half. Pat Finn hit me with a score prediction. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> is this... Is this the rabbit uh, pulling the rabbit out of the hat game? I mean, I, I would love for it to be. I don't care about beating Pitt if we can beat Carolina on the road. Yeah. In the hurricane. Yeah. You beat Carolina, it's all forgiven. I am not thinking about the West Virginia game ever uh, the rest of the season. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I mean, even just looking at October, you got NC State, Miami, Pitt, and Carolina. Like, I probably value this game the very highest or yep. the most high right now. Um, 20 to 20 to 17 Virginia tech. Like, yeah, I'm not good, but I, 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 I literally <laughs> asked you before we press record, I was like, am I really going to pick us to win this game? And it's going to rain. We're going to pick us to win this game. Cause I hate Carolina and there's no COVID and it's going to rain. And that's it. So I'm going 12-6. I'm going with a field goal affair. I'm going with a field goal affair. You can't kick field goals with your heels. You'll miss it every single time. So I'm going 12-6. Will Ross going to trot out there and make it happen. Um, but yeah. Do you, realize how, how, do you realize how ridiculous your score predictions are every it's, it's single insane. week? No. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I didn't claim to be, you know, uh, Galileo. I'm not reading this in the stars. I'm just telling you what I think. And uh, you know what? Often wrong. But you know what? That's why they call it a prediction and not a no diction. So 12-6. Yeah. So you think you think the eighth best offense in the country yeah. is going to score six points? 
It's we're gonna rain a lot. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, that's that's my prediction. What are your uh, before we pass it over to David Hale? What are your Sharky shoutouts? Uh, my Sharky shoutouts are the folks heading up to the game on Saturday. The Hokie, the gritty Hokie fans who will be in attendance uh, because we know how fun hurricane games are. I wouldn't miss this one for the world. It's going to be the frog tog effect. It's going to be the poncho effect. It's going to be the there's more orange and maroon than baby blue in the stands mm. effect. Um, so shout out to the folks making the trip. Hey, go ahead and buy a poncho at Alumni Hall if you're uh, if you're in Blacksburg. And uh, let's have some fun. I have a few tickets. Hit me up on Twitter if you're looking. Uh, trying to get rid of some tickets. There you what go. You, um, no, shout out to you guys. I'm excited. I, I spent five weeks away from home. My brother probably thinks I hate him, so I had to head back to uh, I had to head back to uh, to New England. I'll be watching the game up there. I'm really excited about it. Um, and yeah, I, I have no doubt that the crowd is going to be awesome. That's going to be a Virginia Tech crowd, and uh, get the job done. Come back with a win, Pat. Come back with a win. Uh, get home. De, uh, defrost is the wrong word. De, dehydrate. Um, be, be less pruny, uh, but find a way Find a way to get it done. Um, that's it for us. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to our friend David Hale to talk about the ACC. We will talk to you soon. Now, stay tuned. We do have the Hokie Heat podcast returning this week, and we also have a uh, Locks of Saturday podcast coming your way to talk to you about all the lines. It was tough. Got to tell you, last week, Thursday game, woof. It was, it was tough to figure out the schedule, but we're back. We're back, and we're ready for the next Thursday game. So here we go, moving it over to David Hale. All right, everybody. It is just after 5 here on Tuesday, September 27th. All right. We have a big game here this weekend. It's always a big game playing a coastal opponent, especially when we're uh, crossing the border over into North Carolina. And... A lot's going on right now in the Coastal Division. Virginia Tech is running away with the Coastal Division, sitting up top. So we decided to bring our resident AC expert to the table here. Feels like it's 2007 again with Virginia Tech at the top of the Coastal here uh, after that big win over Boston College. But in all seriousness, uh, we're going to chat about the ACC. We're going to chat about uh, Virginia Tech. We're going to chat about this Carolina game this weekend. And joining me today uh, in Charlotte, you're in Charlotte, right, David? David Hale. I'm in Charlotte. I'm in Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina. So, David, welcome back to the Sons of Saturday. How you been, man? I am good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be with you. And uh, just for those who are tuning in for the first time, David covers the ACC for ESPN. He's been doing that for a while now. And uh, third time on the show, I believe. I think the first time was like way back in COVID. But, um, oh, yeah. Do I get what do I get for a third time? Am I getting like a, a smoking jacket or something? A monograph smoking jacket? <laughs> I know. I, I think it's, I think it's about time we sent you something. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll send you a uh, send you a link to our store and uh, pick out something nice. I see. I see. You're I, have a, I have a theory that uh, all all journalists, particularly sports journalists, are only in it for like the occasional free food or swag. Like that's. The, the the industry as a whole is not is not very uh, upbeat, but you know if you get a free hot dog out of things every now and again, it's great. I was gonna say it's all about the uh, the collection of trinkets along the yeah. way here. So, um, but yeah, welcome back. We're excited to have you. Um, first of all, before we even dive into the ACC, want to hear about your experience in Blacksburg. We know you're at the 
West Virginia, Virginia Tech game uh, this past Thursday night. Obviously, the result was not what we wanted, but, uh, you know, we love hearing about whether it's journalists or fans or former players about your experience when you go to Virginia Tech. Well, I always loved going to Virginia Tech. So when I was, I went to college at Delaware undergrad and uh, one of my best friends went to Virginia Tech. And so like once a year, we'd go down and hang out in Blacksburg. Um, and my trips there are not like that anymore. I don't get blackout drunk at top of the stairs and, you know, sleep on somebody's porch anymore, which is a shame because those were great times. Uh, but it is still always lovely to get out into the mountains. And especially like, I feel like this, that trip was sort of like this turning point where like it was real hot in Charlotte, like, for months up to that point, then I go up and have the nice cool weather where it was actually kind of chilly at night in Blacksburg. And then I came back and now it's like cold and truly fall in Charlotte again. So um, I'll, I'll credit Blacksburg for all of that. And I got to stay down on the field for uh, enter Sandman, which I hadn't, I don't think I'd actually seen in person since pre COVID. So it's one of those things like, you know, it's awesome and you see it on TV and it's awesome. But then if you don't do it for a little while, you kind of forget just how awesome it is. And um, my only complaint was this, though. I, I stayed down in the field to watch uh, for for the entrance. And then I went back up to the press box and they'd already put away all the food. And uh, and I was starving for most of that game. So aside from that, though, everything was great. All right. So note to self, David Hale, he needs a good snack. He needs he needs to be fed. <laughs> Again, <laughs> yes, exactly. My blood sugar gets too low. I start being mean on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so the crowd was great. The environment was great. What did you think of Justin Mutz leading the uh, the Let's Go Hokies chant in his? Oh, he was uh, very world. good. That's that was natural. I remember, like, I was like, ah, this guy's good at this. Like, he's got a future in, I don't know, crowd leading, whatever, whatever that job is. But he was good at it. It became, became very naturally. Yeah, Justin Mutz coming to a basketball arena near you uh, this winter. Uh, so. The ACC after four weeks. Uh, here we go again. The ACC is always crazy. Um, we're coming off the heels of one of the. Honestly, it's got to be one of the worst weekends that the coastal has ever had. Um, you know, you that's got a, high, a high bar or a low bar. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> they had some bad weekends. <laughs> I was going to say, like, uh, this was not a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What, what What were your takeaways? I know. You know, middle Middle Tennessee. You got Syracuse beating Virginia. You got Duke and Can or Duke and uh, Georgia Tech going down. Virginia Tech loses, but but generally, like, what, what were your main takeaways from uh, from another wild weekend in the ACC, specifically the Coastal getting beat down? Well, I mean, the number one was just Miami getting boat raced because that wasn't even like oh, just a crazy upset. Some things happened. Special teams, whatever. No, Middle Tennessee was just markedly better than Miami in every phase of football. And uh, the only explanation for that is just Miami didn't give a damn at all about playing that football game, which is, um, I mean, sadly, not surprising because we've seen this out of Miami on an almost annual basis for the last 15 years. But that wasn't this the whole thing that Mario Cristobal was supposed to come in and fix, right? You can only upgrade the talent so much in one offseason. But culture is a thing you're supposed to be able to impact more quickly. Uh, and that team just laid down. They weren't interested in playing. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And then you go and bench your starting quarterback in the middle of that game, which, you know, whether that was a necessary move or a move of desperation, there will be ripple effects of that. Like, that's just, I mean, just a brutal, brutal outcome. And, I mean, you look back to last year. I mean, this was the point in the year where essentially everybody decided we're going to fire Manny Diaz. And it was, 
not as bad as this is, in my opinion, right? I mean, they, yeah, they got boat raced by Alabama, though, you know, and like they were in a game with, with App State and won. They didn't get boat raced by a group of five team. Like, I, it's just, if you're a Miami fan, like, you got to look at this and say, like, I didn't expect everything to be perfect, but it was supposed to be different. And that's the frustrating thing. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I look at it and I say, I'm not sure there's a, there's, well, I am pretty sure there's not a great team in the coastal. I think Miami still has enough talent that if this doesn't destroy the core of the team, then they have a chance of the upside is these last two games that they lost were not ACC games. Doesn't affect them in the standings at all in that respect. Um, Carolina just went to play a Notre Dame team that couldn't move the football at all for three weeks and then hangs, what, 42 on them. Like, I don't know how you fix this Carolina defense. Like, it's, again, you bring in Jane Chizik to at least make things look different, even if they're equally as bad, and they look exactly the same. Um, Pitt, that's probably the class of the division right now, but I'm not – I don't know. I'm not excited about Pitt. Their O-line has – woefully underperformed to this point you know you know they're not going to get rhode island every week um and then the bottom half of the division georgia tech is georgia tech uh duke has been surprisingly good and i i would not be surprised if they win a few games i there's i don't think they have a real shot at winning the division but i and all of those teams that were putting duke as a check mark in their schedule is like well that's a win i I don't know if that's going to be the case at this point virginia should be better than they are because that defense has gotten much better. Everything Tony Elliott said about scheme wise, we gotta we gotta be more balanced. He's right and it's working out, except for the fact that for some reason, Brennan Armstrong and what was supposed to be an incredibly talented receiving core have just forgotten how to play football. And then you got Virginia Tech. Uh and you see things to like about this team, but it is a team that to me is still trying to figure out what in the heck its identity is going to be because they're not really great at anything at this point. And I, I get the sense, and this is really a thing I saw, felt like I saw a lot Thursday night, is Brent Pry moving some pieces around, trying different things. And it's like, is any of this going to work? It feels like a lot of trial and error. And right now it's been a lot of error and, and, and not a whole lot of, of decisive answers. That's a long-winded answer of the whole Coastal. I mean, it, it's long-winded because it has to be long-winded because that's just what we love about this division. If you were to, if you were to give the coastal division right now, kind of just a a theme or a phrase or a a headline, what would you say it is? Because you know, it, it for me it would be disarray. But I'd love to hear kind of your uh, your elevator <laughs> coastal division after four weeks. I mean, it feels like a race to mediocrity to me. Like it is like there are some clearly some bad teams. I think there are – I don't think that any of these teams have the pieces to be as good as probably the top three or four teams in the Atlantic right now uh, unless I'm woefully underappreciating Pittsburgh. Um, but I think between Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, uh, Miami, and Carolina, one or two of them has to sort of uh, regress or progress to the mean at this point – and, like, if you can just get to, like, markedly above average, like, that's probably going to win you the division. But all of them have these fatal flaws baked in, and you just wonder, like, are any of them capable of doing that? Like, you like Duke right now almost because they, they're the ones who 
compared to expectations or doing the best, but that's still not the like a particularly talented team. Um, or you look at Carolina and you say like Drake May and Josh Downs and they're you know they can probably put thirty five on anybody and aren't they good? Yeah, but they can't get out of their own way on defense. And um, again, you, you don't you just don't get boat raced by Middle Tennessee if you're that good of a football team like Miami. So I, I just look at it and I say there's teams that have pieces there. But at this point, is anyone going to put those pieces together enough to, again, not be great, but just be above average? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think um, between – I think you nailed it, nailed it there. Is like th- there's these question marks that are fixable question marks. There should be fixable question marks that um, every single school in this conference or every single school in this division has some significant bright spots on one side of the ball or one area of the team and then – uh, you know, the rest is really just significantly bringing it down. Um, but I want to do a fun exercise here and talk about each team in the Coastal Division. And David Hale, make the case on how each team in the Coastal can win the division. <laughs> All right, this should be fun. <laughs> All right, are you gonna are you gonna go in some sort of order for this, or we're we just gonna we're gonna extemporaneously? Um, let's take it from, uh, I guess we could take it from the current standings. We could start with Virginia tech being, uh, being right. one and the defense is good, right? The defense is good enough that they should be able to stay in games. They're not deep though. And what they need to have happen is figure out some way to more consistently run the football, uh, both in terms of just figuring out some offensive balance, but also chewing up some clock because so your defense isn't out on the field as much as they were against West Virginia because what you'll get is like a second half that looks a lot like that West Virginia game where they're just not deep enough on defense to play at the level that they need to play to win. But there's some pieces on the defensive side of the ball. This might be the most talent-deficient Virginia Tech offense I can remember in a while. Um, But you look around the league, and particularly just on this side of the league, the offensive line play has not been great up and down. So maybe you make a little tweak here and there and things start to click. If the offensive line can come together and they can get a little bit of a push to move the football, they're going to be in some football games. And there's not another great team, as I said. So they got a, a shot, you, but you got to run the football better. And that's, if they can't do that, I just don't, I don't think they've got the depth to stay in this. All right, let's, uh, let's move a couple hours north to UVA. I think they might be sort of the sneakiest possible team that we're not overly excited about that could be good. Um, just because, like, I've seen it from these guys before, right? Like, it's not a it, – can Brennan Armstrong be a good quarterback? No, we've seen it. He is a good quarterback. He's just playing like total crap right now. So, like, the other parts of Virginia that we were worried about, the, the O-line has not been great, clearly. But that, again, was something that we knew going into the season was going to have to happen. Um but the wide receivers are still talented. Got my dog coming in here. You know, the defense has been much better. I think a lot of what Tony Elliott has talked about wanting to do uh, this season has made sense. And, you know, I, I, I put this on Twitter earlier today, but you, you look at their combined uh, win probability added or expected points added, um, offense plus defense, and they're better this year than they were last year. Now, they were 6-6 six and six team last year. I don't think they want to be that again, but, hell, 7-5 and five might win this division. Who knows? Yeah, and I, I saw the, those notes on Twitter about the improvements that they've made year over year because they were two and two last year as well, and they're playing they're playing more physical, they're playing tougher on defense, specifically that defensive line. 
Um, okay, let's talk about Carolina. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm, we'll talk, I'm sure, more about this game. I'm excited about this game because uh, this is the biggest flaw in Virginia, for Virginia Tech and the biggest flaw at North Carolina are going to meet up at exactly the same spot uh, here because Virginia Tech hasn't run the ball. North Carolina can't stop the run. Um, if they can't do it, if Carolina can't do that this week, I just don't know who they do this against. They had an extra bye week to prepare for Notre Dame. It made no difference at all for a Notre Dame team that was struggling offensively. I mean, if Carolina's going to win it, it's because Drake May is going to be in the Heisman conversation. Like, that's that's the answer because uh, they're going to have to be so damn good offensively um, that they can win games like that App State game. And it's like, hey, 64-62. Congratulations, you're atop the coastal. And then uh, we'll round it out here um, with Miami, uh, Duke, Georgia Tech, and then we'll finish with Pitt. Uh, Miami, just like get your head out of your ass a little bit. Like, I, I they don't have the receiving core to beat teams over the top. I don't know that they have the attitude to beat teams physically. Um, I don't know what their identity is. I just don't. And um, if they're not interested, if they're not invested, uh, I I don't know how they're going to win a lot of games. I know I would want to be the one sitting in a fill room after last week with Mario Cristobal and hearing what he has to say about that, though. So I'm not writing them off yet. Uh, everybody gets to have a bad week. I think they have the talent to still be the best in this division. So, But you you got to get Van Dyke on the field. You, you can't have a QB controversy. You've got to figure out some chemistry with the receivers. you got to get Xavier Estrepo healthy. Those things, I think, will give them an opportunity to win. Uh, Duke is, I think, the team that can win it if nobody else decides they want to win it. It's sort of like, you know, uh, the, the guy that gets the girl at the end of the night because every other guy in the bar has passed out drunk. Like, that's Duke right now. Uh, and I could see that happening. Um, Georgia Tech. Uh, maybe Jeff Collins was the problem the whole time. Maybe we just were really undervaluating how much everyone in that room hated him. And now they're going to go on a winning streak. But I don't see that happening. And then you get to Pitt. And to me, this is, I mean, they're the wild card because I think they probably are the team that has the most pieces in place. They're obviously the defending ACC champions. Um, I mean, this is a team that I think wants to be more balanced than they were with Mark Whipple calling plays and Kenny Pickett at quarterback, but they've not really shown a consistent ability to do that. Um, they're good at receiver, but they don't have that Jordan Addison game breaker type that they had last year. Um, they're really good up front on defense. The offensive line, which returned five starters from last year, has looked like a mess, and I don't understand that. Um, they're small on the back end, so teams that they're going to play that can really challenge them downfield, I think they're going to run into some issues, as they did against West Virginia and Tennessee. I, again, it is a team that – I look at Pitt and I say, they're okay everywhere and not terrible anywhere. Um and that might be the right formula is just being good enough everywhere. It's the race to mediocrity. So it's all about the, uh, the okayest team. Here in <laughs> That's right. there's, there's really no way around it. The, uh, the ACC has been pretty weak this year out of conference, you know, minus that Florida state win, um, you know, against LSU and the Carolina win against app state. Um, it's been tough. And as far as the future of the ACC, what would you say is 
you know, the general feeling about the future and any type of, you know, I guess info and any type of um, future that you might see unfolding in the name of conference realignment, you know, what is the general feel from you, you know, um, early on in the season here? That's a great question. Um, you know, the thing that people keep telling me is that the ACC is not in a rush to do anything. And, and I think they mean that in a positive sense and that because of the grant of rights and because of, of where they are in the grand scheme of things right now, that there's probably not an answer that puts them on par with the SEC and Big Ten financially. And they're not really at risk of falling any below where those other two leagues are after they lose the, their marquee teams. So they're in this purgatory that they have signed a contract to be in and through 2036. And the luxury of that is it affords you some time, time to figure some things out and see how the world shakes out. Uh, they also have a strong relationship with ESPN, which I think is genuinely invested in seeing the ACC be successful because frankly, it is a valuable asset to ESPN right now. Um, but ESPN is not looking to do them any favors either. They're not going to just hand them a check just to be nice and one of the things that I think – I think there's a few different ways that this can go. I think one is the league's play markedly improves over the next two to three years, and teams like Miami and Florida State and Virginia Tech become genuine national players on the big stage again, and they can bring ratings data to ESPN and say, like, look, we need to reopen or rediscuss contract terms. We can't survive with the money that we're getting, but we are bringing this benefit to you financially via ratings. So – what can we do here? I think it's a possibility, right? I don't know that it's likely, but it's a possibility. I think there's a possibility that they decide we're going to grow. Uh, and what could that look like? I have talked to enough people who have said, like, there's really not a team out there short of Notre Dame that markedly moves the needle financially. Um, so you could go add West Virginia or you could go add Houston and it might add a million dollars a year to everybody's pocketbook, maybe. And even that might be a stretch. Uh, but is there an incentive to do that for such a little return? I, I don't know. I think the other thing, and and I don't know how many folks saw the story that um, the Raleigh News and Observer had uh, the other day where they had gotten a hold of some text messages from Bubba Cunningham, the AD at, at North Carolina, where he sort of, this is their text from June right after UCLA and USC announced they're moving. And he sort of, put the idea out there that like, well, what if, what if we grew a lot? What if we just merged with those other two power five leagues and we became like a 36 team super league with tiers uh, of divisions and um, disequal revenue and stuff like that? Like, could that work? It could. I think there's some upside to doing something like this. Number one, it, it firmly establishes you as the clear number three and something different than those other two. It gives you a reason for, it gives people a reason to say, I'm interested in the ACC. That has nothing to do with anything other than like you put together something different. Two, because you have added a ton of teams and completely restructured the league, it gives you the opportunity to go to the ESPN and say like, well, now we definitely have to renegotiate this contract. We're a completely different business entity now. Um, three, and this was a little bit lost in one of the quotes that was in that News and Observer story, uh, from the text messages from Bubba Cunningham is if you effectively ceased to be the ACC because you merged with these two other companies, for lack of a better term, to create a third kind of mega company, 
Is there a way you could maybe boot some of the teams that have just been kind of tagging along from here? That's in the mix, too. I think all of those things are very long shots right now, though. Uh, and I think perhaps the most likely outcome is that we get by for another two to three years because most of these media deals, these big contracts and stuff, are not going to start showing real money for the Big Ten and SEC for another two, two to three years. So we scoot by as is for another two to three years. And then somebody, whether it's Clemson or North Carolina or Florida State or somebody, gets a lawyer who says, like, yeah, I think we can challenge the grant of rights. Let's go to court. And once that happens, I you know, think the dominoes can start hap- falling pretty quickly. So I think those are your three options. I think the one that if you're Jim Phillips, the one you'd most like to see is the league just starts playing better and being becoming more valuable. I think if you're an AD or a school president in one of those schools that – thinks they have a home in the SEC or Big Ten. You're just waiting to find the right lawyer right now. Uh, And then there's a possibility that we find some sort of hybrid in between all of that. You know, to your point about Jim Phillips hoping that the ACC plays better, a lot of that has to do with the Coastal Division and these new coaches being able to get a couple years. and, And, you know, a lot of these programs are in rebuilds, such as Virginia Tech. You know, how long is Mac Brown going to be at North Carolina? That's another question. Um, but the Atlantic division is definitely carrying their weight. And, uh, you know, they're, they're eating the bigger pieces of the pie because they are uh, they're definitely, you know, showing out here this year thus far. But um, you know, I appreciate that answer, David. So as far as talking about Virginia Tech and what we have seen so far, you know, you were there at the game uh, up in the press box after Andrew Sandman, but, you know, as far as takeaways from this West Virginia game, I know that you tweeted earlier, um, or I guess after the game, Brent Pry harped on the need for Virginia Tech's offensive line to get some push up front this week. Hokies had 30 designed runs that went for a loss or no gain entering tonight, which is the most in power five. And then you listed out a, a lot of the runs that went for you know two yards, negative one yard, zero yards. And then you tweeted out some emojis. Uh, one of them was the water gun to the foot. And then one of them was a guy looking like he was getting hit by a train. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> it felt appropriate in the moment. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. So what I guess, you know, how, how does one make sense of Virginia Tech's offensive line and establishing the run game. Virginia Tech in pass protection is definitely serviceable. We were talking about that on the post West Virginia podcast, whereas the run, uh, the run game is just ineffective. And you got a guy like Joe Rudolph, who is known for having extremely effective offensive line play. How does one make sense of that? You know, how does one, you know, I guess like what are, what are your initial thoughts on, on just seeing it firsthand? Yeah, so I just looked this up just to see what the numbers are now. So they've had 36, 36 out of 132 designed runs were stopped for loss or no gain. That's 122nd out of 131 FBS teams. And when you consider the schedule hasn't been particularly demanding, um, it's that's frustrating. And you watched, I mean, particularly that first half, I mean, it's uh, – you know, one yard run, two yard run, tackle for a loss, tackle for a loss, one yard run. Like you need something to change the dynamic on offense. And, uh, you know, to Virginia Tech's credit, I got the sense like they weren't abandoning the run. They were trying to stick with it and until they just couldn't anymore. 
But Grant Wells, I think, has some upside. And, I mean, he's shown some mobility in the pocket. He's shown the ability to run himself. And he was probably their best asset on the ground in that West Virginia game. And he's got an arm that can beat you downfield if he can, you know, get any sort of defense to respect the run game to open up some of those downfield uh, passes a little bit more. Um, But there's just nothing else there. It's essentially like snap the ball to Grant Wells and say, like, Please try to figure out something to do here. And I, you, it's just not a recipe recipe for winning very many football games. Um, and, and moreover, I mean, look, again, I, I don't know how many of the younger guys will eventually turn into legitimate, you know, pro potential guys. But you look at the offensive depth chart right now. And I'm not sure there's a guy you circle and you say, like, that's an NFL guy. Like, and it's been a long time since since that's been Virginia Tech, even during some of the lean years. Even, you know, last year you could look at a couple of the guys on that O-line and clearly they were NFL caliber guys. So uh, it's, it is – I think you kind of almost have to understand that, that there is probably a ceiling into how much they're going to be able to do. There are, they're below that ceiling at this point, to be sure, and the run blocking has got to get better. And whether that whether you have to start utilizing Wells as a runner more to get him out of the pocket and start forcing defenses to adjust, or um, you know start using more in like the screen game and stuff like that, to just try and do something different to open that up, I think you got to figure out something that changes that dynamic. But the fact of the matter is, I'm just not sure they can be great at that or even very good at that in the short term. This is a matter of re- restockpiling offensive talent, and they're just not good i mean it it reminded me a lot um and i i, I spent a, a for whatever terrible uh masochistic reason a lot of time talking to dave clausen back in like 2013 and 14 when he was first took over at wake forest and that was reminds me a lot of this virginia tech team and they're pretty solid on the defensive side but just a black hole in the offense and i don't think virginia tech is nearly as talent deprived as that wake forest team was and of course everybody remembers the uh the frank beamer meme um but that wake forest team had nobody this isn't that bad but it is a similar thing and what i think dave clausen was very smart in doing was like you know what we're not we're going to struggle through this right but we're going to let guys grow up the hard way they're going to get better because of it and in two or three years we're going to be in a position to really succeed and um, I think that's the way you got to do it. Now, that was also a decade ago when you couldn't just go in the transfer portal and add 10 guys if you needed them. But I think if you ask Brent Pry, you know, I don't – you, you look at like Florida State and what uh, Mike Norvell had to do there was he had to go into the transfer portal. There was so much pressure to win, and he had nothing there, and he had to do it, and he did a really good job of it so far. I don't think that's how Brent Pry wants to build this, though. And maybe one or two guys could come in and help you fill a gap if you think you're close. But to me, I think you almost have to just say, like, if we're taking baby steps right now, if maybe the results aren't always going to show up in the win-loss column, like, we got to figure out a different way of measuring success here. And I think that's the smarter investment. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up. So you made you made some great comparisons there. One to Dave Clawson as far as this team is that Wake Forest team are very similar. And then talking about the portal and how Mike Norvell was able to, you know, utilize it to his, his advantage. And it seems like there's definitely been uh, a talking point and a topic in Virginia Tech Twitter, just Hokie Nation in general, of the cupboard was bare. Coach Pry's offense, you know, has nothing, nothing there as far as from a talent perspective. The defense has a lot of talent. Is there as much depth on the defense? No. 
but the defense has enough talent to keep us in ball games. It's up to the offense to win us the games and the offense, you know, doesn't have that much talent. My question is, um, I guess yeah, definitely interested to hear your thoughts on the portal versus establishing relationships in Virginia and getting those three, four year guys. And if that can be an effective way to win in 2022 and beyond, because, you know, Mike Norvell had so much pressure on him as far as winning is so important in the short term to Virginia tech fans and to football fans in general. But do you think that, Coach Price should have spent a little bit more time in the portal um, just for this first year to kind of start off on the right foot. I mean, it's a good question. I so there's two two things about Virginia Tech that I think are sort of unique to what they're trying to do. Um, on the one hand, I think because you don't have sort of that clear established veteran like leadership contingent on the offensive side in that locker room, there's an upside to bringing in some proven winners from another place and saying like, you've been in a good culture, help, help us build this here. But you also have to understand who's in the transfer portal. I mean, usually it's guys who weren't particularly happy where they were. So I don't know that there's even a ton of those guys like Florida state got that with Jermaine Johnson last year. And it just so happened you brought in a guy who was at Georgia and was uh, the third best defensive lineman in the country, but also the third best defensive lineman on his own team. Like that's pretty much what he was. So like, there's not a lot of those guys there. So I don't know that there's even like these guys that are in the portal that would come in and both be a benefit to you on the field, be there for more than a year to help you build and have sort of that, the be the sort of culture guys that you need. And the other thing is uh, one of the, I, I think, you can make whatever criticisms you want to make about Justin Fuente, but the one that, that I think sticks and the one that has probably uh, frustrated Virginia Tech fans the most is his recruiting and how he handled not just recruiting at large, but particularly recruiting in Virginia and the key areas of Virginia that Frank Beamer during the heyday of Virginia Tech used to dominate. And he just didn't you know he didn't really go down into Norfolk and Tidewater and, and own that area the way that, that Beamer did during his best years. He was very invested in going and getting guys from the, the from his sort of comfort zone in the Midwest in Texas. And it didn't play well. And it didn't play well in those with high school coaches in that area. It didn't play well with high school athletes in Virginia. It didn't play well with some of the sort of middleman movers and shakers in the recruiting game. And I think that that's a bridge you have to rebuild at all costs. To me, that is not about 2022 or 2023. That is about sustainability of Virginia Tech for the future. And so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with going and adding two or three guys to the transfer portal. But if you're investing in outsiders just to try and win now, I mean, that's more or less the cardinal sin that Justin Fuente did too. So I think that's the risk you run in going too heavily in that direction. Right, exactly. And it's, I think it's all about keeping a balance of getting the right guys from the portal, but ultimately coach prize made his focus of rebuilding what was lost in Virginia. And, you know, that six hour radius of Blacksburg that he's talked about, um, you know, for Virginia tech recruiting. So Carolina, I, I got to tell Carolina, you David, on a week where there's going to be a hurricane. What could be better? <laughs> I got to tell you, David, and we're going to do a uh, Billy Ray and are going to, jump on and do a quick um, preview podcast for, uh, for the game a little more in depth too, but we do not like Carolina. Um, mm. We are, I know, I know you're not allowed to say anything bad about Carolina because of your job, but 
you know, I'm sure you're biting your tongue over there. But um, we are excited for this game because you know, I feel like at least, and Virginia Tech fans, you know, kind of in my in my era have felt that Virginia Tech and, and Carolina have had some great games over the past, you know, six, seven years, and that it is a bit of a rivalry. Where whether whether Carolina wants to admit it or not, like I I want to say that Carolina is a football rivalry for Virginia Tech. Can you break that down for me? Do you have any do you have any thoughts on that? Because, you know, Carolina is this big brand. They got, you know, three other power five schools in their state. They got App State in there. Everyone hates Carolina, but um, make the case for the Virginia Tech North Carolina rivalry if there is one. Be honest. So, so first of all, let me just say that um, when the not when the conferences they got rid of the conferences and they come up with your three permanent rivals and uh, who knows if the ACC is even still around long enough to go through all of that. But the the two biggest disappointments for me were not having Virginia Tech Miami and not having Virginia Tech Carolina. Because uh, my my wonderful colleague, Andrea Adelson, who is uh, a Florida native and used to cover Miami uh, back in her early days of reporting, which, you know, I don't, I don't want to make her sound old. That was probably like two years ago. But still, like she loves the Virginia Tech-Miami rivalry. And I, you know, when I first got to Charlotte and I got to cover some of those games in like 2013, 14, 15, and Carolina like ruining Beamer's going away party and uh, you know, uh, then, or no, well, they didn't, they thought they were going to, and then they didn't. And then there was the hurricane game and all of this stuff. Uh, like I, you know, whatever, this is a, a abstract metric, if you will. And I know Twitter is not real life, but like the, the most vitriol on Twitter among fan bases for me, I think uh, number one is, is Florida state Miami. Well, really Miami versus just anyone who has spoken to someone at Miami. They're just angry people, but Miami, Florida state is probably number one. Carolina and NC state is probably number two. And then I think there's a good case to say Virginia Tech and Carolina is number three. And I think part of it is just because like the, there's not like a ton of commonality between the two, you know, it's not like husbands and wives that went to this, each school or married to each other, or whatever, like the way that you get with like, you know, UVA and Virginia Tech or Carolina and state, but like, <laughs> I, it's like they both went to these schools and then all moved to like DC or Charlotte together. And so they're like, they don't even have like the inherent, like, love for each other as human beings they're just like neighbors who actually freaking hate each other and so the the animosity can fully simmer without any sort of like humanity underneath of it that's just my pet theory on this but yes i would argue that this is a great rivalry and vastly underappreciated great that's that's all i wanted to hear because i i have been i mean i started the unc hate week uh, on twitter a little early i actually was tweeting at them the day of the West Virginia game. So maybe I should have stayed more focused. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, Timing is everything. You know, yeah. A lot of it was, uh, was centered around here and that there was going to be a little rain coming up the, uh, coming up the Eastern Seaboard. <laughs> so and, good. And, so and good. Going into the quote tweets and seeing everyone, you know, trying to tag the athletic director, cancel the game, move the game. And it's like, guys, are we, are we really going to do this? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, so, you know, when I think of Carolina, I'm just like, guys, like, I got this sun in my face. Um, guys, like, we can't even – we can't even fill a stadium. You know, your fans, like, do they even like football? They're, they're arguing for traveling and double dribble calls out there on the gridiron. So, um, <laughs> for me, it's a big rivalry. Uh, no matter what Carolina thinks, this is a rivalry, especially – you know, I mean, they have been eating our lunch uh, in the recruiting territory over the past few years, too, which we need to uh, – need to get back here. But 
I just have a couple quick questions for you, David, um, about this game, and then we'll get into a few letters from the lunch pail, see what we have time for. But um, two questions about uh, Carolina. One, uh, what level of heat does Mac Brown have on his hot seat at this point? If any. Uh, it, I think there's I, – there's, I, in my mind, there's no chance that they're going to fire him uh, in almost any circumstance. But what it might be is – uh, Mac, it's been great. Why don't we move you into sort of an administrative role? You can still have your fingerprints on the football program, but you know, we went four and eight and you know, you're getting up there a little bit. I think it's time for a trend, like sort of gradually, gracefully kind of move him to, to more of a figurehead role elsewhere and turn the day-to-day operations over to somebody else. I think that's, the more likely scenario. But uh, look, the fact of the matter is I've spent some time around Mac. He's pretty energetic and spry for his age. Um, I have a hard time pinning the struggles on him. Like I don't look at these games and say like, that's a fundamental flaw of head coaching right there. He's been getting, as you noted, killing it on the recruiting trail compared to what Carolina has typically done. What's shocking to me is the lack of development of these recruits. Like you have brought in top 20 classes for four straight years and where's it gotten you because they're regressing and particularly on the defensive side of the ball that I just, I don't understand it. I mean, you've got guys that should be miles Murphy should be an all ACC caliber guy. Tony Grimes should be an all ACC caliber guy. Like it doesn't make sense that these guys are not um, growing. So to me, I, I don't know what the answer is on that because they've already changed defensive coordinators that like you can't really do that again. Um, I do think if you're Carolina, it's sort of uh, a little bit like Nebraska. Like you got to be careful what you wish for. Like, Oh, seven and six was a bad season for you. You fired your coach. All right, let's see what happens next. Cause I mean, Lord knows Carolina, the bottom is low at Carolina when things go real bad too. I will be making the trip up um, from Charlotte this weekend. We'll see uh, if I'm going Friday night or Saturday, depending on how rainy it actually is. But we got a couple over-unders for you here, uh, submitted by by our friend Grant Watson. So, David, uh, first one, we got three. Hokies total yards, 330. Ooh. Over. I'm going to go over. I feel like that defense, the NC State or UNC's defense has got to show me something before I say something that low. Like, I'm not saying Virginia is Virginia Tech is great offensively, but they can hit 350 against the defense at Carolina that, uh, you know, I couldn't stop my grandmother at this point. UNC passing yards, 265. Oh, I'll take the over on that for sure. I think I'm I'm sold on Drake May. I'm sorry that this is a Virginia Tech podcast, but I can't say anything bad about Drake May at this point. Drake May is doing a great job. <laughs> and, uh, Grant Wells passing yards, 250. Uh, I think it's going to be right around the number. I think I'll probably say the under, but I don't believe it by a lot. But I do think one of the things you'll see is – it, Grant Wells is going to run the ball a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised to see him with somewhere in like the 75 to 80 yards of rushing range. Uh, and then you'd tack on another 230, 240 yards passing, and maybe we get to uh, a pretty good number there. All right. All right. Could be a good day for Grant. All right. So uh, we'll take those and we'll jump into uh, keys to the game and a score prediction. 
Um, you know, again, I mean, it comes down to me to the line of scrimmage. Um, Virginia Tech's offensive line, which has been bad, at least in terms of run blocking, versus uh, UNC defensive front that has been really bad um, at pretty much everything they're doing. They haven't gotten after the quarterback. They haven't stopped the run. Um, something's got to give there. Uh, I, I, uh, I think I probably am picking Carolina. Um, just because I think that they've got enough, they they can score, and they're gonna. They're not only gonna score. I, the weather. Let me take a step back. The weather could have some say in this, uh, but you know the tempo that they want to run te- tests the defensive depth for Virginia Tech. Uh, I am a Drake May buyer. They're pretty deep at receiver. They've shown a good ability to run the football this year. I think that I think Carolina can, regardless of the weather put 30 on the board i'm not sure if virginia tech can do that or not i think if they're going to do it against anybody this is probably the team to do it against i'm just not sure i'm ready to buy in yet so uh, i'll go carolina i'll say 32 24 or something like that i was gonna say we have not eclipsed the uh the 30 point <laughs> the, the 30 burger has not been eclipsed yet so uh <laughs> hopefully we can get there but uh I don't even know if we'll get to the 30 burger this season, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> It'll happen eventually. I feel good about it uh, because mostly eventually somebody's just going to get bored down the stretch and say, like, go ahead. All right. <laughs> so we'll do a, a few letters from the lunch pail here, David, and then uh, we'll get you on your way. So I actually submitted this one. What stadium will be the emptiest this weekend due to Hurricane Ian? In the Ooh. Great question. All right, hang on. I got to pull up. Do I have time here to pull up the uh, ACC schedule so that I can make a firm, uh, firm guess on this? Uh, it won't be Clemson because those people will go out uh, absolutely regardless of what the weather is like. Uh, I mean, it's not going to rain at Boston College, but I would submit that's probably your answer. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say – well, Duke's got a sellout for this one, don't they? I think uh, – I mean, again, my answer is probably Boston College, but that I would say maybe uh, – see, Florida State fans are going to be excited. I think they come out. Syracuse, Clemson, yeah, I mean, uh, I will say this. I think the answer is sadly still – North Carolina, maybe, but I don't. It's just because that's a wine and cheese crowd, you know. They're going to want to watch the game from more of a plush, uh, indoor, comfortable environment. And uh, just don't let me saying that leak out anywhere beyond this. That's just between us. There you go. There. That's you know. That's the reason I asked the question, David. So. <laughs> I, know, I knew you. Were, I knew you were getting it. I was not going to let you have it. And then I just I tried to walk all the way around it and came right back to where we started. <laughs> There you go. And then um, Steve Bryce, uh, this is a Virginia Tech question. David, in all, in all your years of covering Tech, including the Beamer years where we were treading water, did you ever think the program would get so bad where people believe it's below JMU or Liberty in 2022? Um, this is dark. Bonus question. What, is, <laughs> what are the two biggest factors you believe for the decline, and can Tech ever recover? Um I guess, I guess ever, is a lo- ever is a long time. Uh, Dude, Kansas yeah, yeah. is 4-0. Oh. Come on, Steve. Yeah, Kansas is 4-0. Oh. Anything is possible. Uh, you know, I, it, it's 
I think part of the problem, and I'm not even going to say it was necessarily a mistake, but part of the problem is that when you let a head coach sort of twist in the wind for an extra year when most of the fan base has decided it's over, it leaves you, I think, really behind the eight ball when you ultimately make the change because you've lost guys to the portal, the recruiting, it gets in dangerous territory, the energy gets to an all-time low. It's just, it puts you behind the name. And you, you see why schools would rather make too quick of a move than too late of a move. I don't know if that's always the right answer, but I think there's some truth in that. Um, again, I mean, I, I think Fuente did some good things while he was a coach there, and I like him personally, but the recruiting was a problem. There, There is so much less talent on this roster than even – I mean, you look at the, la the last year of Beamer's, uh, Beamer was a super talented roster that just couldn't win enough games, and that's why when Fuente came in and does some better X's and O's stuff – with the talent, they were good. He just could not keep the talent coming back in. Um, so, I, look, I think the talent fixes itself in the long term because the beauty of Brent Pry is he's a really good recruiter. He knows Virginia Tech. He is 100% bought in on selling the Hokies and, and the vision that he has. That stuff all matters. My guess is it's probably two to three years before you really see the fruits of all of that labor. Um, but I, I – I would be a long-term buyer right now. I don't expect that to show a lot of return on investment this season, though. We're, we're in it for the long haul. We are in <laughs> it for the long haul. We bought it. We bought it. The, the, the beauty is it's still fun to go out to Lane Stadium and have a few beers and hear Enter Sandman and at least watch the first half of a competitive game. What happens from there is nobody's business. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, all right, I'm going to read two more and then uh, ask you one more question, David. So Chris Givens says, with this being the final year of the Coastal Division, will we see the Coastal Division sent off the way it was meant to be with a seven-way tie? I don't think anything would be better than that. And I think you would it would be the that. absolute greatest. I, the odds are still a long shot, but I will say it's more likely than what I thought, you know, a month ago. Like, Duke is frisky. This could happen. Some of the better teams are not so good. Georgia Tech's going to be the fly in the ointment because they got to figure some shit out quick if we're going to all get to four and four. Um, but, boy, it would just be a thing of beauty for it to happen. It is the only way. Like, if if we are living in a simulation, as I believe we are, uh, a computer simulation, like, I hope that the designers of the algorithm that have that is our existence all would know, like, this is the only possible way for it to end. And how excitement would that make your job and Andrea's job? Uh, <laughs> I might just have to leave on a high note and just be like, that's it, everybody. That's been it. Blast, been blast. You know, you're entering the transfer portal. Um, here's another one. Virginia Tech is 1-0 in Hurricane Games where the storm begins with the letter I. Shout out to Hurricane Isabel, Texas A&M win in 2003. Uh, we got Ian coming in this week. And then the last question here, David, from Billy Ray Mitchell. Uh, who would be your first round pick to get the Georgia Tech job if you are a Yellow Jacket fan? And why is it prime time? <laughs> um, I will say I'm very torn on Dion because, on one hand, uh, the interest level in Georgia Tech would skyrocket and my job would become so easy. Uh, on the other hand, he would have an expectation that I would address him as Coach Prime, and I just refuse to do it. So it's going to blow up and be a problem at some point. Um, I, I would not 
argue if Georgia Tech wanted to roll the dice and, and see what happened with that. Um, but they got to be all in, man. They got if they're going to do it, you got to put Dion in a position to succeed at the, the Dion way. And I think there's just going to be a lot of people very uncomfortable with that there. Uh, to me, if you're asking who should you hire, if I was the AD, which, I mean, who knows? I haven't looked, checked my phone in a while. I might be soon. I mean, they don't have one. So uh, I, I would hire Jamie Chadwell. And I know he is sort of like personality-wise probably the inverse of like the ATL cool guy. Um, but he is sort of like Paul Johnson in a modern era. And what he's done at Coastal is incredibly impressive. It's a super fun offense to watch. I think he could do that. It would translate, I think. And, you know, with the option that Paul Johnson ran, it was always sort of like, well, every five or six years, we're going to win 10 or 11 games and it's going to be awesome. But that's the ceiling. And the floor is also like six games. We won't ever lose more than six games. So if you're comfortable living in that world, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think with Chadwell's offense, maybe it even gets you a little bit higher on the ceiling than than that, I, I, or at least it's more interesting anyway. So that's who I'd hire. But if they want to go and hire Dion, I'll you know I'll look forward to him cursing me out on a video YouTube video soon because I refuse to call him Coach Prime. Oh man, that that really tees up the battle of the text to become the uh, Pry versus Prime time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jamie Chadwell. Keep him at the uh, the top of your big board, uh, Yellow Jacket fans. David Hale, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you coming back and uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Stay dry and uh, yeah, right back at yeah. you. And uh, enjoy dinner, whatever whatever's on the uh, on the menu for the uh, yeah. Sunday snacking. I uh, yeah, it's a great great point. I have no idea. We'll find out. My, my guess is probably Ar- feels like an Arby's night. <laughs> Love. Time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know just what you're thinking. Please don't go to sleep Trash your friend's place. Wake up the next day. Take a hit, it's stop-